Welcome to Raw, a podcast where we confront the complexities of war from the inside out. I'm Anouk, a journalist, author, yoga teacher, and meditation practitioner. Raw, or war spelled backwards, symbolizes how many of us feel in the face of the Israel-Gaza conflict, exposed, vulnerable, and seeking understanding. Here, we don't just discuss the external battles, but dive deep into our internal struggles, examining how this violence has shaken our very core. Join me in conversations with philosophers, psychologists, and spiritual leaders as we explore how to navigate these painful times with wisdom and resilience, finding guidance for our own paths through this raw, unfiltered world. My guest today is Gidon Lev a Czechoslovakian-born Israeli dairy farmer and Holocaust survivor who became a TikTok and Instagram star with touching reels that address the Holocaust, anti-Semitism, and his life in northern Israel with his partner Julie. Born in 1935, Gidon was interned at the Nazi ghetto of Theresienstadt between the ages of 6 and 10. After losing 26 members of his family in the Holocaust, Gidon eventually moved to Israel, served in the Six-Day War, and went on to have six children, a remarkable octogenarian who refuses to be defined by a tragic and traumatic past. Gidon shares important lessons about tolerance and hope. Gidon, you look handsome. Oh God, thank you. <laughs> An old man, that's all. Well, first of all, nice to meet you over Zoom. I wish it, I wish it was in person, first of all, because it'd be nice to give you and Julie a hug. I'm a hugging kind of person, but also because I heard you have a hobbit house, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's my dream. <laughs> no, I also like hugging. Yeah, also, you also like hugging? Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. I, 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 I kind of got that from the Instagram videos that you're a hugging kind of guy. I've been watching you and your Instagram videos, which are just uh, such a light in these times. And even before that, just seeing someone who has been through the things that you've been through and with the life experience that you have, just being yourself and smiling and being silly and being a little bit naughty and having some wisdom to share is such an absolute pleasure and uh, I really appreciate you being here with me today. Tell me a little bit about your life these days. I know you used to live in Ramat Gan and now you moved up north um, and you moved there during the war actually. You are both uh, dealing with 
the war like all of us are and, and reading the news and you're so aware of everything that's happening and at the same time you seem to be enjoying your life in 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 your hobbit house as you call it this beautiful little house in a hill how do you combine all these different aspects of life that this the sadness and the joy well you know i think living has its own energy and if you can sort of um be part of that energy pick up on that energy it keeps you going i see in the in uh, in the instagram videos you're 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 painting the furniture and you're talking about you know you're 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 doing the renovation in order not to have to buy new furniture and you're making meatballs and uh you know we see you eating corn and dancing and at the same time you're also talking about topics that clearly affect you so much such as rising anti-Semitism and the terrible, atrocious reality that we're going through. As someone who's who's gone through the Holocaust, do you feel that we have a right in these times to be both in the joy as well as in the sorrow? Oh, absolutely. It's not always easy. You know, I say this absolutely, but the fact is, uh, if... I would have a son or daughter or grandson or granddaughter uh, in Hamas captivity, I'm not sure I would know how to handle it. I really don't. When you first started uh, hearing about what was happening on October 7th and then in the days after when the report started coming through, would Did it, did it bring back feelings, connections of the Holocaust? Much. I said to uh, Julie and a couple of other people, you know, this is something that the Germans did. They didn't do it exactly the same. They did it differently, but they did it just as brutally. But for a long time, as many survivors um, witness they we couldn't even think or talk about the past I just came back we just came back from a visit to Poland I realized something that I had not thought of before Poland for me and for my family is a total graveyard without a grave to go to. I lost, out of 26 or more family members, 23 I lost in Poland itself. And there is no grave. Their bones, their blood, their teeth, their nails are somewhere in the earth of Poland in some fields, in some forest. And it is so horrendous thinking of it that I will never go back to Poland again. And I understand now why some inner feeling must have prevented me from going before. 
in Auschwitz itself, I lost my father. My father lived till 10 days before the Russian army freed Auschwitz. The Germans retreated from Auschwitz and they took whatever men or women could walk at the Nazian with them. And I guess my father did and they took him. Had he stayed in Auschwitz 10 more days, he might have survived. The first time you went through barbarity and, um, you know, not equating it, but you were, the first time you went through horrors was as a six-year-old. You were in the Holocaust between the ages of six and 10. How is your internal life dealing with it now as opposed to when you were a child? Since I was a little boy, I hardly knew what was happening, you know. Things happened, uh, uh, I can recall to you, for example, a time when we were living in Prague, right near the center of the town, and there was a little uh, park there with a playground. And my grandpa, who was living with me, with my mother and my father, and my grandmother, uh, used to take me to this little park, and there were swings there and slides and all kinds of uh, other things for kids to do. And I would run to one of the uh, swings that was in the form of a canoe and climb in, and my grandpa would push me, and I was, you know, happy, happy, happy child, uh, four years old, five years old. And, and then one day we come there, and, and he and he says, comes running after me, he says, no, 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 nine, 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 you can't uh, go here, they don't allow us. Four and a half, five years old, I, I could, could I understand what was, what was happening, that I was a Jew. I knew I was a Jew, but I wasn't a religious Jew. I wasn't a Jewish Jew, but yeah, okay, so I'm Jewish, but what, what, why am I being punished? And it, and he took me out from the from the canoe and, and held me, and I, with my little fist, I was punching him and crying. And uh, he said, look, over there, do you see? You see the sign? It says, Juden verboten, which means Jews not allowed. And uh, did I really understand what that meant? Between you and me, I don't think so. The, the fact was, though, that I wasn't allowed anymore to go to the park and play. Jews were, at that point, for, uh, not allowed to use public places, spaces, parks, gyms, pools, uh, even in public benches and, and sidewalks in the center of the, of the city. If you're a Jew, you weren't allowed to sit on it. So there are so many different ways that they made us feel less than human, isolating, discriminating, separating, humiliating. When you think about the people now uh, who will have been either kidnapped and 
prisoner of, of Hamas in unthinkable circumstances. And those who will come back, what messages could you share with them from your life experience and the beautiful life that you have had? What messages of hope would you want to share with them? I would say, well, guys, I survived also. Different, maybe not as bad as you, maybe worse something, but I survived and I'm here and I raised a family and I have 15 grandkids and two great granddaughters and six kids and we all have a pretty good life. Not perfect because there is no such thing, but living life, creating things, building things, doing things. You can too, because otherwise you you give in to them. You give them a double victory. Not only did they hurt you in a way that you can never forgive them, but they're destroying you. And you don't want to be destroyed. You want to live. You fought in the Six-Day War. You built your life in Israel. You have many kids and grandkids. What does Israel represent for you as a person, as a Holocaust survivor, as a father, grandfather, and as someone who fights against anti-Semitism? For me, Israel was and is hope over future. Build a country for the Jewish people and all its citizens that live here, Arab, Christians, Muslims, Bedouins, Druze right down the road. It can be a wonderful country. It is in many ways already that. I'm not a... a a uh, great supporter of Bibi Netanyahu. For months before the October 7th attack, I was going every Saturday on demonstrations against him. And it's serious. It's truly serious. We have, a, we have an, besides Hamas and Hezbollah and, uh, and the Houthis in, in, in Yemen, we have our own bad people and problems here. We have to solve them. And we can solve them. I always tell people, whatever problems people have, they were created by people. If they were created by people, caused by people, they can be solved by people. I was and I am happy with all the problems and with all the challenges that we have here, and we have plenty of them, maybe too many, we can and we have to make this a good country. You seem to have a lot of empathy and compassion, not only for Israelis and Jews. It seems you're also thinking about the Palestinians. Um, as you said, you have a daughter who's, who's very critical of what Israel is doing. Do you find that Israelis 
have an ability to not only be aware of our own suffering, but also see the suffering that we are causing? Or do you find that is lacking in Israeli society? It's not quite as pronounced as our critics from outside of Israel would like us to to be. Most of the hatred of people towards Israel is shallow and baseless and born out of ignorance of what really, really the problems are, how complicated it is. And it is possible to solve them. As I said, we created the problems, we can solve them. It's not easy, it's not simple, it's not from today to tomorrow, but it can be changed, can be solved. It must be. For us, for Israel, to exist here in the Middle East, we have to find a solution for the Palestinian people. In my opinion, and this is my opinion, the Palestinians deserve a sovereign state of their own. When you see some of the humiliation that is uh, inflicted on the Palestinians in the West Bank. How do you feel about that? I feel very strongly that we have to stop it. I lived for, what, seven, almost eight years under German Nazi occupation. Four of them in a concentration camp. But before the, the concentration camp, I also felt as a second-class citizen, fact, as no citizen at all. And it is terrible. Occupation is bad, not only for the people being occupied, but for the occupiers themselves. This is also where people who don't live in Israel and some of them in bad faith and some of them just by lack of knowledge have such a hard time understanding the complexity of this place. You just went from talking about how atrocious it is that people equate the genocide of the Jews in World War II with what's happening in Gaza, and you explained very clearly how you think the two have nothing to do with one another and how hard it is to fight in Gaza against Hamas, which is embedded in a civilian population. And yet you are also talking about what you find is atrocious on the part of Israel and some in Israeli society and some Israeli in, Israelis in politics, including those who are in our government and the humiliation that they inflict on Palestinians. And you even compared it a little bit to what to your life experience of, of feeling humiliated, even to, though the two, you and I both know that we're talking about two very different things. When you are on Instagram and when you try to talk to people, knowing how complicated all this is, do you have any hope that people can even begin to understand the nuance and the complexity of what 
Israelis are having to face. And I have hope. I have hope. Can't give up our hope. It is possible to educate people. Ignorance is an enemy to us all. Any place and every place. Uh, having been a, a soldier myself, the type of fighting that is taking place in the Gaza Strip is so horrendously difficult that I, with my experience, can't even imagine. Can't imagine. And my experience is limited. I don't want to overdo that. But I had some experience in fighting uh, in closed, build-up areas. It is really the hardest that any army has to fight. You're in the last chapter of your life, we could say. Yes, I think so. <laughs> having, having experienced so much loss and so much death from such a young age, does death scare you? No. No. Death does not scare me. The only thing that bothers me about death is I, I just don't want to suffer. I also don't want to die in a hospital. I don't want to die at home in my bed. But I realize that I will at some point die. My body tells me, my body shows me. My, my son came here this last week and he said, Dad, have you stopped eating? I said, no. I'm afraid I haven't stopped eating, but yeah, I lost a couple of kilos, but that's age. What are some of the things that bring you the most joy? Hope that the world can be a better place and that as long as I'm here, I'll try my best to make it there. I saw this video that you posted on Instagram, which was, I thought was just absolutely brilliant and lovely and kind and compassionate you there's this text overlay we see you with your with your smile saying to anti-semites i see you <laughs> and you kind of show with your fingers that you see them and then we expect you to say something more um combative and instead you say i see you you need a hug And I just think that so exemplifies what I feel that you are about. And uh, it's just so pure and, and beautiful and joyful. And the fact that you feel that you could hug some of these people is just such a testament to your beautiful spirit. So thank you for sharing that with us. Thank you for having me. I hope I didn't overdo it. <laughs> Thank you for listening. This has been Raw. To listen to more of our episodes, you can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you find your podcasts. I'm Anu Glory. Goodbye.